tonight, Lord. Let our every heart be softened and good ground to receive that word in Jesus' name. Look at Luke chapter 5. Um, I might go through some of this fast and and uh, we'll get this down tonight. In fact, when we're done, if, if two guys would be kind enough to go get that ladder, get up there and unhook that, then you can just throw that whole thing away. Um, we're talking about Harvest Church and Net. And we got kind of interrupted, and that's what I want to finish. So I want to read to you in Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. This is where the four fishermen were called as disciples. It says, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got in one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down, taught the multitude from the boat. When he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. The deep is not here. The deep is out there in the city, in the surrounding area. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night, caught nothing. Nevertheless, it's your word, I will let down the net. And when they'd done this, they caught a great number of fish. And their net was breaking, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so they both began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, harvest church. From now on you will catch men. So when they brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. How, how many fishermen we got here? I know there's few. Did you ever fish on a good day where you just said, oh my gosh, you got that many? Remember those days? It's, ex- it's, it's, it's exciting, isn't it, when you catch that, that many fish? And uh, so I want to talk about nets and I want to talk about relationships. How many have ever had a bad one? How many have ever had a relationship you just thought would last forever and it didn't? You know, and I look back through the years as a pastor... 35 plus years and, and relationships that I've had. And I'm so thankful for the covenant relationships that, that I still have. But I, I've had relationships. How many have ever been hurt in a relationship? We all have. And uh, so in the days ahead, and I, I'm talking about really about you guys here at Harvest Church, this church in general the relationships that we have with one another are going to be vital. They're going to be so important. It's not that we don't already have relationships. We do. But for what's coming, it's going to take people that understand covenant relationships because there's a difference. There's relationships and then there's covenant relationships that are meant to last for eternity. Amen? And so we need to understand that. Um... We said relationships developed and nourished at Harvest Church creates the net that will attract or catch and bring in the harvest. The net is no stronger than the covenant relationships established by leadership and the people. 
The net is no stronger than the covenant relationships established by leadership and the people. Proverbs 17, verse 17 states, Friends love through all kinds of weather. Some of us have been together a long time. Have we gone through some weather? Yes. Will there be some weather in the days ahead? Yes. But because we're in covenant, we'll make it through. Um, Covenant relationships, we said, imply permanence. Our relationships in the body of Christ are to be effective and enduring. What we do at Harvest Church must be built in such a way that the relationships are permanent and bring joy and not frustration because we've all had relationships that can be frustrating. But you can be in a covenant relationship and still be frustrated too. Paul and Barnabas were. They, they argued, argued over, what, John Mark or whatever, and, and he'd abandoned them, and Paul says, I don't want him anymore. But how did the story end? Came back around, Paul said, he's useful for ministry. So um, we also said that in this, in this passage, there are two kinds of partners, and basically there's people that are going to come into church in the days ahead, and you could call them a partner. And they might not be in covenant yet. Sometimes it takes a while for people to hook up and, and, and understand a covenant relationship. And there'll be people that'll come into church that might not enter into covenant with us. They probably won't stay. Some won't. Some will. And then their eyes will be open. They'll do. How many people do you think are bruised and beat up out there in the world? divorced, dealt in abusive relationships, they don't understand covenant. And so you've got to give them a chance to, to, to be taught and, and to experience what, what a church is really like. Well, look at, look at Bobby and Laura. How many times has he said he, he felt at home here? Why? Because they're, we've accepted them. And, you know, we've got we've to be brothers and sisters and support them, and especially him in the days ahead. Love on him, but we have to be honest with him, too. Hold him accountable. And, and so these are the things that, that we need to learn and understand because there's a lot of broken people out there, and they're coming. They're coming. Um. Re- Relationships like net, nets need constant maintenance, <laughs> constant washing, and they must be cast. So I want to go through those, those three things, and, and then I'm going to end with a, a visual demonstration here. Number one, look at Matthew 4. Matthew 4. Characteristics of a net are characteristics of a relationship. We're just kind of using the analogy of the net. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. 418. It says, And Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. I want Jesus to make me a fisher of men. I can't do it in my own strength. We will, as a pastor... You, you know, in the church, it's going to take Jesus and the grace of God to do some things in the days ahead. Amen? It says, 
They immediately left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. Say mending. Mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So nets need constant maintenance. Relationships need constant maintenance. You've got to work at it. Amen? Nets must be weaved and mended. Why do they need to get weaved and mended? Because you get rocks, you get sticks that tears the net. They constantly have to be maintained. Relationships constantly have to be worked on. And it takes time, does it not? The word mend in the Greek means this. It means to set in order. It means to equip. It means to adjust. It means to complete what is lacking. Sometimes in a relationship, one person's lacking something. But guess what? The other person has what they have need of. Amen? So we gotta, we've got to mend and we've got to repair the nets or repair the relationships. I want to read to you, and I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1, it says, In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the Master, I want you to get out there and walk, better yet run, on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And listen to this now. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. I really, I don't like the Message Bible for everything, but I like this portion of Scripture. Steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences. Are there some differences in this room? Is there some differences in personalities in this room? Backgrounds, amen. And it says, noticing differences and quick at mending fences. So you're going to have to become proficient at mending fences in the days ahead because you're going to get all kinds of people in here. And some of them, you know, what if you had one person from one gang and another person in another gang over here? You say, well, we don't have gangs in Norfolk, maybe not like California. But we do have some corruption. We do have some sinners. (laughs) Amen? And so you're going to have to learn how to bring people together and mend fences. You're going to have to. And guess what? If you can't mend a fence in your own relationship, forget about mending somebody else and helping them. It's not going to happen. You and I are going to have to learn to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and make some adjustments ourselves. I want to read to you, um, look at Philippians chapter 4. This, this is a good example. The Apostle Paul saw a lot during his course of ministry. In, a, in Philippians chapter 4, it says, Therefore, verse 1, My beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved, I implore Yodia, I implore Sinti 
to be of the same mind in the Lord, and I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement, Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose, are, whose names are in the book of life. Now, I want to read this to you from the, the margin of my Bible. He says, um, No two people contradicted the meaning of their names as much as Yodia and Synctate. The name of Yodia means good or prosperous journey, and Synchte means pleasant acquaintance or good luck. So they had good names, didn't they? You'd never think two women with names like that would get into trouble. It says, but despite their names, these two caused dissension in the church at Philippi. Paul called on them to settle their differences and, now listen, and ask the whole church to help them. Didn't say just the preacher. Didn't say just the apostle. It's, he, he said the whole church to help them. He said um, he, was, he was direct with these two women, asking them to be of the same mind in the Lord. Differences in personality should not separate us from unity in Christ. That's a good statement. That's a very good statement. Differences in personality should not separate us from unity in Christ. Our task is not to make others into replicas of us. We must honor the uniqueness of each person. Unity in Christ also means setting aside secondary issues like denominational differences or cultural patterns. Agreement on basics is what's important. Now, in the days that I've been going through, I got a book that's this thick with prophecies. I found some old ones on some of you, and I'm going to give them to you. 2006. And uh, let, let me go on and finish this before I get off on a tangent. Our task is not to make others into replicas of us. We must honor the uniqueness of each person. Unity in Christ also means setting aside secondary issues like denominational differences or cultural patterns. Agreement on basics is what is important. Now, the, the one thing I started to say is I found a prophecy from years ago about how in the days ahead we're going to see people come from other denominations here. And we have. They don't, they don't, they don't understand some of the things that we do. And all I can say is just be open and teachable. Because I promise you this, this preacher will make sure you see it in the Word. If it's not in here, I'm not going to preach it. We're not going to teach it. Agreement on basics is what is important. What's the most important thing, salvation? What's the most important thing? Jesus being born again. Most important of all is mutual forgiveness. Paul suggested, let your gentleness be known. Finally, we need to get together with a fellow believer with whom we are having a battle of wills and ask Christ to permeate our conversations. We need to ask for the mind and disposition of Christ. What would he say to both sides? He is at hand. He died to make us one and will settle for nothing less. I like that. Amen. Now, I said all this because I found this today and I thought I'd read it. It's from 1995, you ever heard of Mike Keyes? To the church, 
Now, let me say something to you all. Your pastors, Mr. and Mrs., are very strong people. Not No amens on that. Don't be afraid. Emotionally and individually, and because they are like I am, I understand some of this. You have a tendency to try to tough it out, to carve things out of your own just sheer willpower. I picked that up in my spirit. Now, the reason for that is God needed strong people to be here because this happens to be a dark stronghold of the enemy. And this is 95, and guess what, folks? It's gotten lighter. That's why, like in Ephesus, when Paul went there, that great work was carved out of a place where Satan had had his way for many generations, for decades, and for many centuries. What is happening in this general area? God is endeavoring to raise up a work, okay? But it's been difficult. (laughs) It demands people of intense fortitude and strength, personally speaking. But they have to be reminded that they have to fall back upon the power of the Lord like I have to be reminded. And you need to thank God that you have people like this here to begin with. Secondly, you need to get behind them and support them. They are not perfect people. Well, I lean more towards perfection than she does. But I was trying to be funny, so don't be offended, ladies. They're not perfect people. Nobody is. If you're looking for the perfect church, you'll be looking till Jesus comes. There's no such thing. But recognize what God is endeavoring to do. Now listen, this is good. Don't criticize other churches or other people or other works in town. Just get about the business of seeing God's will accomplished here. And that starts by what we talked about from the Word. Let God build the foundation in your life so that you're a strong person and through your position of strength you can help them pastor effectively, not by their strength, but by the power of the Holy Ghost. And like the Holy Spirit said, some people can't flow with that. And they'll have to go, but God's going to replace them with more people who understand what we're talking about. Some of you are here tonight, by the way. Thought I'd throw that in. The Lord's telling you these things in advance so when they come to pass, you'll understand how it's going to fall into place. But above all, He wants you to know this work was raised up by the Lord, not by man, so it's going to stand and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So why did I read that to you? Because you need to understand your pastors are very stubborn, strong-willed people. But we were made like that to come here. If you knew what this city was like when we came here in the early 80s, I'm not going to go into it. She told me not to dwell on the past. But it was a very dark place. You think we're dealing with demons now? I could tell you stories. So we've come a long way. But just realize we all have different different personalities. We all say this with me. I need to be quick to man fences. Amen. So that's one of the things. Constant maintenance. Nets must be washed. And that's what Jesus saw. Two boats, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. That's the second thing. How do you keep a relationship healthy and clean? Anybody got any ideas? Do what she says. That's really, that's very good. 
What what did he say, Kaylee? What did he say? Do you think he should watch his tongue or just you? Just him. How do you keep a relationship healthy and clean? I'll read to you. You don't need to turn there. Let me read it to you in 1 John 1, verse 7. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. How do you keep a relationship healthy and clean? By being transparent. Say transparent and truthful. You have to be real. You have to be honest. If you're going to have a relationship with anybody, you better, you better be yourself. You better be real. I, I, we were down to the conference. What a wonderful conference. And the one thing, and Kathy and I made the remark that pastors Hank and Brenda, they're real people. There's not, when I go to, I've been to conferences, folks, and you get this people, you get around other ministers especially, where they have this elitist attitude. They think theirs doesn't stink. But it does. I don't have that when I go down there because they're real. Their people are so nice, helpful, considerate. And, I, you know, I left there and I, I had Kathy email them and tell them what, what a wonderful time we had and how good the treatment that we received. And just, it was so good. But they're real people. And see, that's what you need to be um, in the days ahead. You need to be real with people. You need to be transparent with people. You need to be honest with people. The thing that I've had to learn through the years, and I, it's probably just me, nobody else in this room, but you know, I can be real and transparent and honest, but sometimes you've got to pick the right time. Because sometimes your timing can get off. Amen. So you've got to be led by the, by the Holy Spirit. Third thing, nets must be cast. Say nets must be cast. Look at Matthew 13. I, I like this, this scripture. Because this is what we're coming into as a church. Matthew 13. This is the parable of the dragnet. That was a certain kind of net that they had. I think there were three different kinds of net in the New Testament they used. The kind they, they twirled around and threw, and then there were dragnets. We're, we'll read here. It says in verse 47... Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. Say every kind. Which when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the what? The good into vessels, but threw the what? Bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's kind of like the parable of the tares and the wheat. Micah, you were on that for a while. Listen, when, when you cast a gospel net, there's always risk involved. Not everybody is going to come into this church and uh, maybe hook up. Maybe they'll hook up for a while. There are a lot of bobbies out there, folks. 
And I think it's miraculous that Bobby's in the church. I think it's miraculous he stayed. But you're gonna, we're going to cast a net, and you're going to get all kinds of people in the days ahead. You, you know, we were talking, we were, Zach was at over the house supper time, and we were visiting about Patriots United. Are there some different people in that? Some of you haven't been in meetings. But there's people, I believe there's unbelievers in there. Oh, don't you think, Mike? I think there's some unbelievers. They don't know Jesus. And we're not getting pushy or anything like that. That's not, you know, the time to, to do that. We've got to honor what we're here for. But do you know some of these people, they're, they're kind of getting curious. And so we're going to see some in the days ahead come through the doors. And that's why we're going to have to be sensitive and, and, and know how to treat. Always treat people with respect and take time for them and talk to them and, you know, make them feel comfortable. But there's going to be a risk involved because you're dealing with saints and you're dealing with sinners. And it's the church's responsibility to cast the gospel net to a mixed society. Is this a mixed society? Now listen, we will not keep every fish. So you might as well realize that. Is the church going to grow in the days ahead? Yes, it is going to grow in the days ahead to the point where uh, it, it can be a little disconcerting. It, it, it concerns me because I want to be ready for what's coming. But we're not going to keep everyone. The church must walk in godly discernment in order to separate the good from the bad and not let the devil tear the net and cause the good to escape. So you're going to get people come through the door going to want to to know Jesus, want to get filled with the Holy Ghost, want to be healed and delivered, want to join a church. Then you're going to get other people that come through the door that will have their own agenda. They'll want to tell the preacher what to do and how to do it. They'll want a title. They'll want a position. And that's where we're going to have to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves and realize that because we want to take care of the true baby lambs, the sheep. Amen? And we, we're called to protect these, these, peop, these people, amen, that are coming. Right? Right. Um, I'm not going to have you turn there, but do you remember after Jesus was resurrected and... Uh, Peter and John and the apostles, what did they decide to do? Peter says, I'm going fishing. Remember, they went back to their old occupation. And remember, you know, John looked out and Jesus says, have you caught any fish? And uh, John knew who it was. Peter, (laughs) he was already dealing with some things, right? And... uh, John, as soon as John told Peter who it was, what did he do? Jumped in and swam. And uh, what, what did, you know, basically he said, do you got any fish? And they said, no. And what did he tell them to do? To cast the net on the, the right side of the boat. That's where we're at in the days ahead at Harvest Church. We've got to cast the net on the right side of the boat. And it's vital we hear direction from God to do that. And... Uh, I'll tell you one thing, and I want you to remember this. Will you promise me you remember this? Some of you already know this. My wife and I 
don't steal sheep from other churches. Never will, never done it. Did you know there's some churches that will do that? Oh, they'll, they want you because they want your money. We need to be people of integrity, and there are good churches out there. And there's well-meaning pastors and well-meaning people out there. And, and uh, you know, that's why I get, I get a little nervous. If, if, if people are going to another church and they come to special meetings, and I mean, that's all right, but I just, if they get a revelation, you know, and there, there's more, everyone say there's more. But I'm not going to be the kind of guy that's active to go out and proselyte other people from other churches. And you know what? I don't need to. Because we got the real deal. And if we're preaching the truth, they're going to come. Amen? Now, I'm almost done here. In Acts chapter 2, you don't need to turn there. I'll, I'll read it to you and. It says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And you've heard me the last two weeks say this. And the Lord added to the church. Who did? The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I told you this is what Smith Wigglesworth said. Notice that the Lord added to the church daily. If the Lord adds them, there'll be a blessing. But if you take in any the Lord hasn't added, there'll be a nuisance. Who said that? Smith Wigglesworth. I would rather have the Lord build the church one by one than half the town join it. And I say amen to that. People can join a church but not necessarily be in union. Do do you get that? People can join a church and come to a church. I've had them through the years. Oh, pastor, we're behind you. And, you know, we're, we'll never leave. I've had people even tell me we'll never leave you. They're the first ones that left. So when people start talking to me like that, I just turn. I want to turn around and go the other direction. Now, what can tear a net? Anybody need a haircut? What? What can tear a net? Got any ideas? I'll give you some. Okay, I'm going to give you... That's right. Here's the first one. We're going to look at it as spiritually. Unresolved offense. Unresolved offense. Is going to tear the net. What's unresolved offense? People, they get mad at the preacher, at the worship leader, at an usher, at a nursery worker, at a children's teacher, a greeter. They might even get mad at somebody that's sitting in their chair. Oh, you laugh at, I'll tell you, you go back, people, they get upset if you're sitting in their pew. They grew up Methodist. Unresolved offense. People will get mad. It creates strife. It tears the net. And the fish get out. Number two. And un... Are you sure you want this one? Uncontrolled tongue. Uncontrolled tongue. What's an uncontrolled tongue? Where they're critical. Critical of the pastor. 
critical of the worship leader, critical of this, critical of that. What happened in the early church when they weren't getting served the way they thought they should be served? And it created basically the helps ministry. Because was it the Greek-speaking Jews or whatever? I don't know who, what group it was. But two groups, two factions were mad at each other because one thought they got more attention than another. And so what starts? Amen? An uncontrolled tongue. So look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to cut your tongue out if you get, get out of order here at Harvest Church. I'm just kidding. Just what she do. <laughs> Uncontrolled tongue. No, you can. You can. He's, I don't know why he's dressed like that tonight. It's kind of a shock, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's true. So unresolved offense. Don't get offended, folks. I'm probably gonna, I've, I know I've said things that offended people. Let me tell you something. If you're a preacher, it's going to happen. Why? Because I talk all the time. Have you ever offended anybody on the radio? Almost every day. Do you get phone calls, emails? Uh-huh. Oh, he is? Is that what he's been told? What caused that? Oh, well, people have, you know, might not like um, something I say or Kathy says or somebody else says. And, and I've told you this before. If people are criticizing your pastor, then man up, woman up, and confront them and say, we don't talk that way about our leadership. Number three, what else can tear a net? keep thinking I'm going to get caught in this net. Unforgiveness. Yeah, let's go a little farther. Unforgiveness. We've all had to deal with our hearts. And, I mean, if you, I could have spent a lot of time getting scriptures and all this, but we don't have time. Someone give that woman the Heimlich Maneuver. Unforgiveness. Are you listening? I don't need to go much over that. Don't say anything beyond that word. Here's another one. What else can tear a net? Unfulfilled expectations. Unfulfilled expectations. What's that mean? You come to church... And you don't get the title you thought you were going to get. You wanted to be head usher, and you're not head usher. You wanted to be on the worship team, and you're not on the worship team yet. You wanted to lead the worship team, and you haven't been made the leader yet. You wanted to work in the nursery. That's never happened. Unfulfilled expectations. People that expect a certain position or title. The scripture here, go back to the word. The Bible says, know those whom you labor among. 
before I put you anywhere, you, I got to get to know you by the Spirit. I got to get to know your heart's attitude. I'm going to be in the days ahead. These are two things that that basically. These are two characteristics of my life, not not necessarily hers. I'm talking about my life. And, and these are two things that I, I, I look for in people because it's in me, and it's always been in me since I was a young man. Number one, a servant's heart. Say servant's heart. Number two, the ability to submit to authority. A servant's heart and submission to authority. So if you can't come to Harvest Church and, and serve... Amen? If you, if, you, if you can't come to Harvest Church and really understand what, what authority is, granted, you need to be taught. We need to be taught what true authority is. There's the ultimate authority that we need to submit to. But God will put leaders in the body of Christ, too, that we need to learn to submit to. Not blind submission where people are going to lead you into a ditch or like a cult or something like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about understanding what godly authority is. So those are two things. If you want to want to be a leader, then you need to understand, you know, authority. When I was young, I didn't understand authority. I was a horse's patoot. How many of you were kind of when it came to authority. I've told you the story. It's my favorite one. When I worked for the garbage and we'd drive around in the garbage truck and they had a new ordinance where you couldn't honk your horn. So the chief of police, he was like a Barney, go by and I'd reach over in the garbage truck and honk the horn. He got so mad, he came in and just ripped me one downside the other in front of everybody. Well, you know, that probably wasn't the thing to do. Amen. And so basically submitting authority is uh, to authorities, not coming in here on Sunday morning, tooting your own horn. We want to listen to him. Amen. Boy, you're awful quiet. Here's the last one. And this is why you need to pray for your leadership. Unwise leadership decisions. So leaders can, can make decisions. Unwise leadership decisions are actions, and and uh, that's why you have to pray for your pastors. That's why you got to pray for the worship leaders. You've got to pray for the ushers. You got to pray for the security. I'll tell you what, Mike. In the days ahead, I know you can get hot. I live with you. I got the sons of thunder. I do. I wonder where they got that from their mother. Sons of thunder. But Mike, in the days ahead, you're going to have you're going to have to really guard your heart because there's going things going to upset you about some things with people. Because you're you're as security, you're going to see things and they're not going to do it. Right? So you're going to have to make sure you don't get critical, judgmental, and you're going to have to guard your heart. Watch your mouth. That applies to all of us, doesn't it? I use him as an example because he's living with, with us right now and he can't afford to get offended. If he wants to stay there. 
can I say? But see, what happened, all those things, those five things, what happened to the fish? They're gone. They're gone. Never see them again. Let's stand up. So Sunday we're going to teach on dedication. How many of you grew up, you were dedicated as a baby? How'd the Methodists do I don't remember. I don't remember. How'd your dad do it? Sprinkle? Sprinkled on the head. Okay. Well, that's probably why you are the way you are. How did the Lutherans do it? Okay. Any other ways? We also were confirmed. I do remain, remember confirmation in the Methodist Church. But here again, what's the Bible say? Baptism by immersion. And so we're going to teach on that in dedication. We're going to teach on baptism. It's not going to be a, a long, drawn-out service in here because we're going to go in the next room and, and we're going to baptize a few people and then we're going to have dinner together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you how important relationships are. Not just any kind of relationship, but specifically covenant relationships. So I pray, Lord God, we've learned something. If anything, Lord, we're going to renew our mind to the fact tonight how important each of us is. One to another, we need each other. And iron sharpens iron and will bring each other up higher. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, we'll purpose in this place in the days ahead. To make every effort not to tear the net. But we'll guard our heart. For out of it flows the issues of life. In Jesus name. Amen.